Well, if you have been at River Valley for any length of time, you know that I love to jump right into the message, get going right away. And uh, I need to take just a moment to pastor all the campuses uh, via live stream and to be able to talk to everybody. Uh, We have so much going on in the next six months. I tease our staff and I say it's going to be chaos and, uh, and we're going to enjoy every minute of chaos. And then I started realizing that's probably not a great term. So I've changed it to, we are going to be entering into a period of accelerated goodness. Accelerated goodness. And uh, that's what it's going to be. And uh, it's going to be fast. It's going to be a lot of G-force. It may pass. You may pass out because of it. But uh, we are going to be accelerating the goodness that we do uh, around River Valley Church. I just want to give a little update real quick. Uh, about what's going on and make sure we're all on the same page Uh, because sometimes even people at uh, different campuses will be asked about what's happening at the other campus and you may not know. So I want to make sure that everybody's caught up to speed. Real quick, uh, we had Mdaduzi and Memory, our campus pastors from Swaziland, join us. I think we have a picture of them addressing the Apple Valley campus and it's a joy to have them in Minnesota uh, through the weekend. And I was partially joking that we would want to get a snowstorm for our African campus pastors, and it looks like Minnesota's going to deliver, and uh, they're going to get it. But they bring their greetings, and not all the campuses could meet them, but uh, it's a joy to have them and to see the good that we're doing over in Swaziland. And uh, they have been just soaking it in and ready to take it back to our Africa campus. Uh, Our Shakopee campus this weekend is doing what we call really their soft launch. They are moving into their brand new building. And we have a picture of this. I want you to see the brand new Shakopee campus. How amazing is that, that they are moving in? And a beautiful thousand seat auditorium with stadium seating. And uh, what a soft launch means is uh, the people that call River Valley Church their home are there this weekend. Uh, We are inviting visitors for Easter weekend, and that is the official launch. And uh, I have just enjoyed every minute of it. The other night, I just kept walking around and walking around and walking around. Becca's like, let's go, let's go home. Then I wanted to drive around and drive around and see the neon. I mean, I was like, look at the lights. She's like, we've seen them, you've taken a picture. Let's go home and, you know, but it's just exciting to see a vision become reality. And we just believe that place is going to be filled with people finding Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And that is an amazing piece of property that God has given us and a tool to be used to be the church in Shakopee uh, that God has called us to be. And of course, our Apple Valley campus, as soon as we move into the Shakopee campus, launch that, Apple Valley is going to have Easter services at the Apple Valley campus. And then one more week, pay very close attention to this. Easter will be at Apple Valley. The following week will be at Apple Valley. And then we are moving into Celebration Church on the 18th and 19th. They are graciously allowing us to share their church with them. And uh, they have moved their 10 o'clock service to 1030 so that we can have a Sunday morning service at 9 o'clock and then a Saturday night service, all right? So we are going to have one Saturday service and one Sunday morning service. And uh, they may or may not be watching this, but can we just show our appreciation to Celebration Church and let's show our appreciation, clap for them. Thank you. That's amazing. That is the church being the church. It's really unheard of that they would 
uh, do that for another church, and we are so grateful for that. Um, The hope is to be back into Apple Valley uh, by December. And so uh, the midweek, everything will be open in the building, but the weekend services will be there. And that's why it's going to be accelerated goodness going on. And uh, then, of course, on Easter weekend, we are launching our Woodbury campus. And uh, the week before is what we are calling the soft launch there. That means, again, if they're friends and family that are part of the church, we want them there the week before Easter. Otherwise, on Easter weekend, we want to fill this auditorium. And I believe we have a picture of it. We want to fill this on Easter weekend. There's uh, over 900 seats there, and we are praying for that, that new campus. Uh, Trent and Melinda Redmond are going to be leading that campus for us. And of course, uh, it's an amazing thing. We were able to send uh, people from all the other campuses to be able to help them launch that. And even some of the staff, key staff uh, from Faribault, uh, Matt and Jess Nyland, are going to be uh, the youth pastors and associate campus pastors there. And it's fun to see really all of our campuses getting involved in this. Uh, I was even at Minatrista the other day, and there was a family there that was saying, hey, we're going to help launch. And I thought, that is a long way. And they said, but we have relatives there, and we want to get our relatives involved. How cool is that? They're like, we're going to sacrifice to get relatives involved in church. But that's happening. And then, um, of course, Minatrista is having uh, a new campus pastor installed, and uh, Brian and Bethany are planting a church in Milwaukee, uh, which we are so excited for them. Uh, The Edina area is raising money now, a very ambitious goal to purchase a building about a mile from our current location. Uh, We are believing that they are going to raise that money uh, by summer and be able to put the down payment on that. So just so many things going on uh, over and over and over again. So many things. Of course, uh, there's more goodness. And uh, our, our Egan campus is helping to launch the Minneapolis campus by sending Kirk and Kaylee Graham, they will be the campus pastors in downtown Minneapolis. And people keep asking me, where will we be meeting? We have no clue. No clue. None at all. But I will tell you this, that uh, Kirk keeps sending me options every week. We perhaps will be meeting in a bar or a club or a theater or a funeral home or all of the above. We don't know. I mean, it's just, (laughs) he sends me these things every week. I'm like, praise God, we're bringing light to the darkness. Maybe not that one. All right. You know, so, but somewhere in the downtown area, and we'll keep you posted. Keep praying for favor that we find the right spot. Of course, we want to say, Hello, we don't, I think I've, I mentioned every campus. I don't want to leave Spain out. And so to our Spain campus, hola. All right, we're good. Get in on the accelerated goodness and uh, it's all good. So one thing I just want to ask, will you, will you pray for your leaders? Pray for your leaders during this time. Um, your campus pastors needed, all the pastoral staff, your elders, your deacons, myself, be praying for us as we go through this. Uh, we're doing more in six months uh, than really a decade of ministry. It's just God has given us this opportunity, we're doing it, and so we ask for your prayers. And I would just say this, if you pray for the pastors, could you send them a note, a text, an email, contact them on Twitter, Facebook, however you want to do it, 
But just let them know. Sometimes they could be overwhelmed. And every time we open a new campus, there's a, a new level of leadership that we have to step up to. Every time we go into a new area, there's a new spiritual battle that takes place. And uh, we just uh, appreciate your prayers. And I know that your campus pastors, the staff, myself, will be encouraged by that. And so just follow through with it however you want to. Let us know that you're lifting us up in prayer, that you're with us, and you are excited for accelerated goodness. All all right. Uh, today, I want to preach about loving deeply the people we disagree with. Loving deeply the people we disagree with. Whether it's somebody that's in our family, in our church, in our faith, outside of the family of God. There's a lot of people that we can disagree with. And um, I want to let you know that this message was really birthed out of my private devotion times. And if, if you're not familiar with this, we talk about it quite often, we do something here called SOAP. And uh, I will tell you about this over and over again. Uh, we ask our church to read two chapters of the Word of God every day. And uh, that stands for the S. You read the scriptures. You write down what you observe about it, how you can apply it to your life, and then pray about it. And so I do that. As a follower of Jesus Christ, I read those same two chapters with you every day, read them, write down my observations, write down how it applies to me, and I pray about it. Sometimes in those moments, I have something happen where God will just download a sermon to me. And I will tell you, I enjoy that because uh, it makes pastoring easier where I'm not planning for a sermon. All of a sudden, God downloads it to me. Um, many times, I'll just have a thought, a verse. Um, sometimes I'll write even the whole sermon in my devotion time. It, uh, just, it's a neat thing, but I do have a file that's continually growing of sermons. And this is one of those ones that... Just uh, in February, as we're reading through Mark, as we're reading through Mark, God just had a verse pop to me on loving people that you disagree with. And how many know that in the world that we live in, especially with social media, you could have all sorts of people that you disagree with. You can disagree with people you will never meet, and you can hate them deeply through the internet. What a joy. How many know? I mean, it's, it's amazing. How many know you never knew you had an opinion on vaccinations as strong as you did until it went viral, and then you found out, you know, ah, and okay, so we need to learn how to love deeply people we disagree with and not hate them. And um, it's sad. I mean, with the internet, people can start disagreeing with people and uh, attacking people, and uh, they feel like they're anonymous, like their keyboard makes them anonymous. And how many know that does not make you anonymous? Uh, they could still find out who you are, and uh, I could tell you this, that you, you can't hide behind the, the keyboard. I have, uh, I just want to let you know, I had something this last week, and uh, it made it difficult to preach even this weekend, because just this last weekend through social media, I had a disagreement with somebody. I didn't even know they knew who I was, and they started sending things around, and I won't go into any more details with it. And I want to let you know that this sermon in no way is related to that. It goes back to Mark, and if you're wondering when we read this, you can line it up with soap, all right? So let me just give this disclaimer. Any names or similarities in this sermon are in no way related to the last week's involvement, all right? How many feel good about that? Right. Oh, man, there's plenty to be offended on, plenty to be offended on. And I think it was the great Charles Schultz, uh, the writer of the Peanuts uh, cartoon strip, that said, there's a couple of things we should never talk about. 
politics and religion. And then he said the great pumpkin. But uh, <laughs> never talk about politics and religion. But I want to be clear that if we're going to be disciples of Jesus Christ, we're going to have to talk about our faith. You're going to have to talk about your faith. You're going to have to open up your mouth and talk about your faith. And if you don't talk about your faith, I don't think you're being true to the one that has saved you, that has forgiven you. And if you start talking about your faith, you're going to have disagreements with people, little ones, medium-sized ones, giant ones. And we should pay attention because uh, Jesus told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel in Mark 16. We're supposed to go and preach the gospel. Uh, John 20, verse 21 says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. I mean, there's something about this and he's really talking about, hey, you can't have the truth and hide it. And there will be a a tempting lifestyle that says you have the truth and you just pull back from the truth. Don't talk about the truth. Don't rile anyone up. Don't really disagree with anyone. Just be silent. But we really can't be silent. We can't be silent because there's so many issues that our country deals with that are in our neighborhood, that our friends deal with, that our family deals with, that have great moral implications that if we're silent, I really believe we're not being true to what God has called us to be as disciples. I mean, how can we be silent about abortion and orphans and treatment of the elderly and violence and racism and hatred and abuse and sexuality issues? How can we be silent and still be true to the one that has saved us? How can we know that people are doing things that are destructive to their life, that are leading to destruction, and just be silent and say, well, I don't want to talk about religion or these things that might rile them up. And I believe that God wants us to be able to talk to people about things that we deeply disagree with them, but to be able to do it in a way that is coated and surrounded with love. And there's just a scripture that got me going on this, and it's found in Mark chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 10. And we're going to look at the story of the rich young ruler, and it's found in three of the four Gospels. It's interesting, they all tell us that he had money. Um, one of the Gospels tells us that he was young, and one of the Gospels tells us that he was a ruler, and we put it together, rich young ruler. And in Mark chapter 10, verse 17, we have the story. And you'd say, uh, it's interesting, Pastor Rob, that that would be the story that God would cause you to just have this moment with because there were people that Jesus disagreed with way more than the rich young ruler. But this is what the Lord jumped out to me with the scriptures. He just made it pop. And so I want to share it with you. Mark chapter 10, verse 17. As Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Uh, Honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all these things I've kept, kept since I was a boy. Jesus looked at him and loved him. Let me read that again. Jesus looked at him and loved him. And this is the verse where the Holy Spirit just started having the page just come to life for me. Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing you lack, he said, go sell everything you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. At this, the man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, how hard it is for the rich to enter the kingdom of God. 
Now, this guy is legitimate. This guy loves God. This guy falls on his knees. This guy is saying the right things. This guy sincerely is coming to Jesus because he believes Jesus has the answers. And how many know Jesus does have the answers? So he comes to him with the answers. He's thinking, hey, I'm desiring to follow you and uh, I'm wanting to be right. I want to have eternal life. And Jesus is telling him like, you got to do this. And, and, And the guy's like, I'm doing that. And all of a sudden Jesus pauses and the Bible says that he looks at him and he loves him. And as I'm reading that again, the Holy Spirit just makes it jump out. Like Jesus is about to tell this guy, I disagree with one area of your life. I'm really gonna hit you where it hurts, but I love you. I love you. I love you enough to tell you the truth. I love you enough to hit the one issue that is keeping you from a right relationship with God and it's oozing out of it. One um, commentator says that the way that it says that he loves him almost implies that Jesus hugs him. Now, I I don't know if I fully agree with that, that Jesus hugged him, but the point is the love that Jesus has for this guy is an active love. His eyes were saying love. His words were saying love. His body language was saying love. Everything about him was saying, I'm about to tell you something that we really disagree on, but I love you deeply. Now, again, we're gonna be called to, to talk to people about things that we're going to disagree with them. We're going to disagree with them. But here's the thing. If we don't have the courage to tell them the truth, I don't think we really love them. Martin Luther said this, if you're preaching the gospel and you're not speaking to the current issues of the day, I don't believe you're really preaching the gospel. And you think about it, if we're going to preach the gospel that Jesus wants to save you from your sins, Jesus wants you to repent of your sins, and we never talk about the real issues that culture is facing, we're just kind of dancing around the issue. We're just dancing around. How many know it would have been really easy for Jesus to dance around the issue knowing that this guy's issue is money, money, and he could have said, hey, like, just, just follow me and I'll work on you. Okay, I'll work on you. Um, I know you have issues and I even know what your big issue is, but don't worry about it because these guys behind me, these 12, they have bigger issues than you. You know, don't, have you ever met Peter? Because he has huge issues. And you know, just come with us and just follow. Let's, we'll expand to 13. We'll make you an exception, okay? But Jesus has enough courage to tell him, hey, I'm gonna call you out on this. I'm going to call you out on the one area that really is the big issue. I'm not going to say you're fine, and I'm going to call you out, but I'm going to do this in love, and I have, the, I have the long view for your life. Get this. I have the long view for your life, and rather than just being able to have a nice little moment here that might not cause you to find the truth, I have the long view for your life, and I want to tell you the truth so your eternity can be set, okay? So we have to have the long view when we talk to people that we disagree with. And I believe Jesus is really handling this uh, much like Proverbs says in Proverbs 27. It says, 27.5, it says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Proverbs is telling us that a good friend, a, a person that really is, is, has the best interest of that person in mind, 
will tell them the truth. Somebody who is not a good friend will be basically just lying and kissing up and being like, oh, yes, it's all fine. It's good. I love you. And they won't point it out. Now, I do want to point something out. It says, better is open rebuke than hidden love. And, you're, and some of you might be thinking, see, that's why I go to Facebook with these problems. I want to open it up and let people know. Okay? That's not it. That's not it. What it's saying is, it's better to open up the topic than to keep it quiet. Love will open up the topic. That's it's better to open up the topic and give that rebuke for the area that it's needed than to hide it and not say anything. So again, we don't want to go and blab it out on Facebook and use social media to let people know why we disagree with them. But he's saying, wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. And he's saying, hey, if you are being a friend to somebody that you disagree with, you're going to be willing to tell them the truth, and it might hurt a little bit, but you're at least willing to tell the truth. And I will never forget, years ago, I saw a video by Penn Gillette. You may or may not be familiar with this, but Penn Gillette had a video, and he, he does this video blog, and he talks about after the show um, that he does in Vegas, this guy comes up to him and says, uh, hey, you know, I, I, you know, thanks for using me in your show, and that was great and for the souvenir, and I'm glad you're signing it. And he said, but can I just tell you something? Like, I just felt led to tell you about Jesus, my Lord and Savior, and, um, and he goes and tells Pen this whole thing. And Penn's like, now I disagree with this guy. He's like, but I actually thought this guy was really sincere and the guy was really kind. And as Penn's telling this on this video, you can see he's emotionally moved. He's like, you know, I've had other guys tell me that I'm going to hell and they're jerks, you know? And, but he goes, this guy like really believed it. And he goes, Man, there's something about him like he was kind and he was nice and he was, and, 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 and he was, again, I don't believe it, but he's like, it was kind and it was nice and, and, and man, he goes, I respect that the guy was willing to at least tell me that. And he goes, I have no respect for anyone that believes I'm going to hell and won't at least tell me about it. Proverbs is saying, hey, if somebody's got something, at least have the, the ability to open it up, to talk to them, to be willing to bring up the subject. And Jesus does that with this guy, and I think that we should do it. And the Bible tells us as well in Leviticus 19, um, verse 17, it's giving rules for the people to live by. And he says, do not hate a fellow Israelite in your heart. Rebuke your neighbor frankly, so you will not share in their guilt. And it was saying, if you really love your neighbor, Go ahead and tell him what he's doing wrong and be in relationship one another and don't share in their guilt. And if you really love them, you're gonna need to be the kind of neighbor or friend in the church, if you will, or person that's able to stand up for righteousness and at least open up the topic. Otherwise, you're kind of sharing in their guilt. Say, so be willing to do it. How many know, though, that you live in a tension of when to say something and when not to say something? You're kind of like, do I say it? Do I defend it? Does this, that could rise up? How many know? It's almost like the same tension of when somebody has food on their face. How many know what I'm talking about? Yeah. The other day we, had, we were out to lunch and I was with a couple staff members and one of the staff members had some food on their face. And I was like, 
But I thought, you know, it's a small piece, you know, a small piece. And we're all friends. So, I mean, the friends lowers it. If it was like people that, from church, maybe I would want them to not be embarrassed, but they could be embarrassed in front of staff. And then, you know, and another thing was the food was slowly moving closer to the mouth. And so I thought eventually it would get in, you know. So I thought, just hold your peace and I'll get in. And then they, you know, they took a little napkin and they're like going. And I thought, ah, and then they didn't get it. It stayed. And I thought... It's napkin resistant. And then finally it was gone. And I thought, all right, no, no awkward moment. How many of you have the tension? Do you say it? Do you don't? You're going to live in that same tension with speaking the truth to people and being in people you disagree with. Do I, is this how, how what do we do? And I think that there's um, a beautiful scripture in Ephesians. Ephesians 4.15 says, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. And uh, in Ephesians, he's saying, hey, you've got pastors and leaders, and they're helping you to grow. And one of the things we're going to have to do is speak the truth in love to one another, and we'll continue to mature if we do that. And I love this, that truth is put with love. And if I could tell you one way that we're going to be able to go out in the world and disagree with people, we are going to have to wrap our disagreement in love. We are going to have to ooze love. Like Jesus oozed love for the rich young ruler, we're going to have to speak the truth in love because how many know that the truth can hurt? And if the truth is not wrapped in love, it's one of those things that we can be right, but we can come across as being repulsively right. We can tell the truth and be obnoxiously right. And I think God is trying to tell us, we're going to disagree with people, but you got to speak the truth in love, and you need to wrap that truth in love. And I absolutely love this illustration that Tim and Joy Downs use in an article, Speaking the Truth in Love, and I want to use this with the church. It's talking about when you disagree with people or you need to tell somebody something that you're on the other side of the issue and you got to tell them something that's truth. You love them too much to keep it quiet. Whether they're in the church, in your family, or outside the church, you've got to talk to them. They said the best way to do that is to speak the truth in love. And here's the illustration. They said, imagine truth being the product that you want to sell. Okay, so track with me. You have a company, and you want to get this truth out to somebody. It's like the product, your belief, your, your thinking about God. You want to get that to somebody, and that's your product. And so you have this great product called truth. And if it was like any other company, uh, research and development and engineering would take it and make it the best possible truth that you could get out to other people. But before truth would go to the public, how many know that in any company, you would send it from research and development and engineering, it would go to marketing. And marketing would say, how can we get people to buy this product so that it, it looks good because we have a really good product and we want to get it to the people. And so marketing goes and says, what can we do to make this look better? And they use the example of cereal. So I'll use that. So what if cereal was packaged like this? Amazing cereal was packaged just in a brown paper bag and you went to the store and you couldn't even see it. You didn't know what it looked like. It was just, they're saying, that's truth and it's without marketing. That's just research and development and engineering. And they said, but marketing goes and says, 
We want to put it in a great box and make it look good. And, and it's just funny. I asked the staff to give me cereal and a box that would help it really work with marketing. And I got to admit, Kashi is really making this illustration difficult right now. <laughs> this looks like sawdust and this tastes like... Anyways, all right. I'm just letting you know, okay? So... <laughs> Somebody at Kashi thought that burgundy and green were good colors and that it was important to let you know this is non-GMO project verified. And so whoever wants to buy this, that was like love language to them on the box of Kashi. And they thought these wonderful pictures of clumps would be good. And so, <laughs> again, thank you, interns. All right. Um, it's good, though. It's good. Um, they're saying, this is truth. This is truth with love. This is marketing getting a hold of your truth and packaging it. And I'm telling you what, marketing needs to get a hold of your truth. Love needs to be wrapped around your great truth. You have the words of life. You can bring them to this world. You have the words of truth. You have things that can set people free. You yourself have been set free from sins. And God's like, I've given you great truth. But he's saying, as you deliver the truth, wrap it up in love and present it the best that you possibly can. Make sure that whenever you speak that truth to people, that, that, that your eyes are oozing love, that your body language is oozing love, that your tone is oozing love. And then instead of going out and being that angry person, you're the one that it's so well wrapped in love that even though the person disagrees with you, they're like, I can't help but be drawn back to you. And I can tell you this, we have people in our church that disagree greatly with things about our church. And one of them said to me, they said, Pastor, keep preaching, you never know. I just feel like you love me so much, I, I think I might change, I just don't even know. I mean, I, I, I might change my mind. I'm telling you what, when you wrap the truth in love, God can do so much more with it then you just going out there and this is the truth, this is the right, the truth hurts. You know, take your truth and deal with it. Let's wrap the truth in love. And so I will tell you this, the way to, you can wrap your truth in love that I think has helped me in so many different ways is to pray for the people that I disagree with. And I will share this without divulging any more on this, but the person this last week that I had that issue with, I just stopped for a moment and prayed about something that I saw in their life. I felt like what they had was bigger than our disagreement. And all of a sudden I felt my heart soften. I felt love deepen and my whole attitude changed, okay? It's, it's asking marketing, asking God to take the truth that I have to deliver and wrap it up in love. And if you need to do that, I think you need to pray and let marketing wrap your life in love so you can present the truth to people so people can change. So Lord, I just pray right now that you would help us to do that, to wrap the truth in love. Lord, there are people that we're gonna disagree with could be money, it could be morals, it could be all sorts of different things. It could be faith that we disagree with. But we pray that as we deliver the truth that you've given to us, that we would do it and wrap it in love. May many of us spend more time with marketing and realize the message of truth needs to be delivered in the right way. Jesus, you love that man deeply, and yet that guy chose to walk away. But the Bible says you loved him deeply. And so I pray we would love deeply the people we disagree with and speak the truth in love. 
Help us in this day and age, Lord, to live that way. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen.